0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Five Hole Fantasy Podcast with the Taxi Squad. We are your hosts tonight, Alan, Maddie K, and myself, Jay. It is Monday, November 20th, 2023. It's with the end of week six and the beginning of week seven, and we are excited to be with you on the van cab tonight for some quick fairs around the league. Craig's not with us tonight, but as he usually says, let's start up the fairs and jump into it. Welcome in, everybody. Welcome back to the Taxi Squad. We are your hosts for tonight. I'm Jay here alongside Alan and Maddie Kay here for a quick fares review of week six. How are we doing, everybody? I'm going to miss the global games, man. It was nice having games on
1: just middle of the day. Or 8 a.m. on Sunday if you were up that middle early. Middle of the week, weekend, that's right.
2: F1 was on, didn't matter. Hockey took its place. It was nice to see it. Great to be
0: back, fellas. Oh, absolutely. All day hockey? always great um, yeah that was
2: a Dgen session if you really settled in from from 11 o'clock in the morning until what would have been about I'm going by Eastern Standard here one o'clock in the morning Eastern Standard that was a session
0: it was indeed an absolute weekend of glorious hockey to play um, a lot of things happening and flying across the ice a couple of things happening as well we're gonna roll through some injury reports Barkov. Uh, he's day-to-day. There was a knee-on-knee hit in the game against the Ducks. Please monitor that. Hughes. Jackie. Jackie, my boy. Jackie Hughes is back. He's back off the IR. He's got a goal and an assist in his very first game back. So, absolutely fire the man up. Take him off the IR. Take him off the IR+.
2: Eight shots, too. Eh? He just kind of came slowly back from the injury, right? couple points. Oh, absolutely. Shots. Just a...
0: My opponent was crying as he left
2: him in the injury reserve slot.
0: (laughs) Just rotting away on the IR. Brutal. Opposite injury report. So there was Line who was a healthy scratch versus the Flyers. Um, This was also after he was benched with significant time reduction in the last game. Although I also heard rumors that... The healthy scratch was related to his father's funeral anniversary. So it might be a little more wrinkling than beyond just, you know, um, him being healthy scratched. Uh, Point to monitor anyway. Line hasn't exactly performed amazingly in terms of expectations. And also at the same time, that team is currently on a nine game losing streak. So either way, points to remember and concern with. Injury news and general reports around the league.
2: Yeah, with Line too. I mean, in Winnipeg, he didn't exactly handle adversity very well. And it was part of the reason why he ended up going out of town, right? So I think some players deal with that adversity better than others. In his case, you know, the thing that struck me that was odd was actually not that he ended up sitting out a game, um, just given how the play was. What was odd about it was... The the media made a specific point of saying that the general manager is in full support of this benching of that player, which is kind of peculiar when you think about it. You don't normally hear that. It's the coach's decision. They run the bench, right? For them to go out and say, you know what? Yarmo's OK with this as well. It sort of, I think, is maybe a not so subtle shot to a player to say, you know, the country club is over here, which I know they're actively trying to. To change there
0: yeah uh we can definitely touch on a little bit more um on the columbus blue jackets uh, further on um but yeah definitely a curious and i think peculiar is a very accurate word there maddie k about a situation in one of honestly the bottom feeder dumpster fire teams in the nhl right now um I guess Alan will segue in. Uh, what's your what's your main topic on Quick fairs tonight?
1: Yeah, so I was uh perusing the reddits as I do, came across an interesting infographic uh, about pdo which is one of those crazy statistics the the nerds use and I I was like, you know, what? I just the, the factoid that was on it was of interest to me. PDO is essentially it doesn't stand for anything as I came to find out, which I thought was crazy in its own But it's essentially what people consider the luck metric. It's your save percentage plus your shooting, your team's save percentage plus shooting percentage, even strength, and those should equal about one on average. uh, Only about one point four two teams. So one, maybe two teams a season will have a PDO outside one. Essentially, Uh, right now there are nine. Out of 32 teams. Um, What makes this interesting is that these are both teams that are either really good right now or could be a heck of a lot better. The overs, the teams that could come back down in some aspects, are Boston, Dallas, L.A., New York Rangers, Vegas, and Vancouver. Now, Vancouver was far and above like what I would say is one one standard deviation for you statistics nerds out there. Um, The unders, teams that could see some improvement... Are Calgary, Edmonton, and maybe San Jose like they on the, the infographic, they said uh, PDO a little bit below can indicate a less talented team. But yeah, I'd say San Jose falls in that Edmonton. Definitely not less talented Calgary. Uh, that's uh, depending on how you feel about certain players. But as yeah, I'd say this is uh, these teams that we keep screaming are due for regression. Regression. I mean, there's another statistic out there that could that shows yeah they're they're gonna come back down. Like the the luck should eventually run out, except for maybe one of them, and they're the the anomaly.
0: The most insane part of that is imagining if San Jose somehow could regress lower right. to a mean, positively regress
1: <laughs> like. Well, I mean, and that's what that's the thing, though, is like statistics aside, like if you watch the Sharks, like they're they're playing with with hunger, man. Like I they may not have like the, the talent, but though, I'd say the way they play keeps teams on their toes. But I say, you know, what do, what do we do with this information? This might be how you determine some players that are by low sell highs. Right. Like if, you know, a team should regress down that's you know yes i'm not saying sell your pastas or your your stars or your rangers but maybe you know uh la's got a lot of depth sell so one of those guys that's on a hot streak or um vegas they're pretty even across all the lines you sell that or vancouver like we have been screaming i i I know brock besser isn't real as much as i want him to be but yeah this is again like we've been saying for weeks this is sell highs or even um honorable mention carolina i forget what i was listening to where they said like their team shooting percentage is a little low and i remember even in the season previews we said finished with a below average shooting percentage so this is. This is, uh, like I said, this is maybe where you, where you pick out your buy low and sell high
0: teams. Man, the Huberto, the Huberdo man in me thinking, oh, yeah, he's he's got to <laughs> come out. The 115-pointer. I think maybe that is a dead and buried version.
2: We, we, there's an Evolve that took place. And, and what came out on the other end, um, 3,000 miles north, is, is a very different human uh, than was it, driving his Lambo down in Florida.
0: It turns out $10. Um, $10. $10.5 million dollars a year can do quite a big many number of things, but one of them is not recreate 115 points in an NHL season. Or Florida area strip club. That PDO <laughs> number, though,
1: you
2: look at it, it's kind of an interesting metric because you get this very sort of cumulative stat for offense and defense all at, at one side, and you can get a pretty good understanding of Which teams are going to regress positively or negatively in each one of those areas? What's the more likely scenario? Because there's some teams that are shooting very, very well and their goaltending is atrocious, right? What are the odds that the shooting comes back down, right, versus the goaltending maybe reverting a little bit back to the mean and vice versa? Vancouver is one of the anomalies because both are high. But there are a lot of teams where their save percentage as a team is much higher than league average, but their shooting percentage is abysmal, right? That is where we might find some opportunity for players to regress.
0: Oh, absolutely, man, Alan. I am gonna have to dig up and read more about this. Uh...
1: <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm not like I'm more a watch shut up and watch a game nerd like than digging into crazy statistics. Yeah, that was pretty like, static. IPP for you, is Alan. generally was... as advanced. Yeah, <laughs> IPP is advanced as I I typically get. But I
0: got to read more about this PDO
1: yeah it's just an interesting infographic that showed like oh hey yeah i know those teams are doing really good like and it's like oh that's
0: luck is swinging their way it certainly meshes with a lot of the eye test at least in terms of what we're perceiving and seeing in terms of the standings as well right like i know no matter how good vegas is or vancouver is like i can't imagine that this is Genuinely, just been late in the entirety of previous seasons. Well, and that's even you could say, like uh, Vegas just had
1: a bad little stretch of games. I mean, is that some regression downward? Good
0: questions. Good questions, indeed. Did you also want? Did we want to segue in, uh, Maddie K, as well into your your main topic?
2: Yeah, actually, Alan's entire topic we looked at sort of team production on both sides of the ice and what we're going to do now is go from PDO and we're going to take it down to some individual stats and look at some players that are really driving possession 5v5 and are really driving shots 5v5 and don't necessarily have the production or the ownership that maybe that positioning uh, should dictate. So we're going to get a little bit more staty than maybe we normally would uh, and I promise it's not going to be the whole uh, the whole episode we're going to do this. But a couple of things that we want to monitor here is number one, core C4, right? And in this case, individual core C4. So that's the metric, uh, all shot metrics being taken, attempts being taken, blocked, missed the net, um, shots on net, goals, all of those count. And a great uh, metric to determine who's driving possession while you're on the ice. Derivative of that. We've got individual scoring chances and we look at these metrics on a per 60 minute basis so that each player can be compared on a relative uh flat kind of a basis right otherwise if we're looking at just the raw box score stats you know certain players get two three times the ice time in certain scenarios than others do so we're not going to get an accurate representation of how productive that individual player is relative to their peers So what I've got is a couple of different players here at different ownership levels. These guys are all in different teams as well, ranging from 2% owned to 94% owned. And these are all players that are in the top 50 and in the first three cases, the top 20 for individual Corsi 4 per 60. These are players that drive possession and shot attempts at 5v5. Okay? So the first on this list, 65% owned is Brock Nelson. Brock Nelson, is first in the NHL in individual scoring chances per 60. He is first, sorry, seventh in the NHL in high danger chances for per 60. Yet, he's shooting 7%. He's taken 3.6 shots per game this year compared to a career average of a little over two. Okay? I know he had a 10-shot game the other day, which factors into that a bit, but even still, so you've got a player here that's driving possession driving shot attempts and not only that but driving high danger scoring attempts right taking a look at schedule optimization down the road maybe not this coming week brock nelson is somebody that if they aren't owned in your league and by the looks of the number there's a third of all yahoo leagues where he's not owned that is somebody you need to have on your radar because if players are driving possession like that 5v5 that is good for their all-around game and likely is going to lead to power play time, etc. The second player is Timo Meyer, Right now, we know there's been injuries in New Jersey. Um, the interesting thing with Timo is he's not taking nearly as many shots as he was in the past. right? This was a guy that was over four shots a game as an average. This year, he's barely three. But Timo Meyer again, is top. He's actually sixth. In the entire NHL, an individual scoring chances per 60, high danger scoring chances per 60, and he's shooting 6% at 5v5, right? So we talk about opportunity for positive regression, right? Seventh in the entire NHL in individual course C4. So talk about a possession monster. Now we go all the way down to 2% owned. Brendan Gallagher of the Montreal Canadiens, the Cole Caulfield Montreal Canadiens. We'll get to that maybe in another segment. Uh, But Brendan Gallagher, quietly 20th in the NHL in individual uh, Corsi 4 per 60, 11th in the NHL in individual scoring chances per 60, 11th in high danger scoring chances per 60, and is shooting 6.4%. So he doesn't take as many shots as the first two guys. He's about two and a half shots a game, three as a career average right? But that can spike. Um, But again, 2% owned, available in every single league. If the schedule is is looking favorable, these are going to be names that you got to start to look ahead a little bit and snatch them up before your opponents have the opportunity to do that. I've got four or five other guys that we could go down here, but I'm just going to maybe pause there for a second. The only other two guys I was going to bring up as kind of a contrasting example, was the number one and the number two players in the NHL in individual Corsi 4 per 60, the darlings of the analytical world. Number one, Owen Tippett. Number two, Nicolaj Ehlers. He's pronounced Nicolaj. And what a very different picture each player has in terms of what they're doing on the ice, in terms of how dangerous those chances are. Right, Owen Tippett, 21st in the league in individual scoring chances for, and he's 35th in high danger chances for. He's getting a lot of opportunity, and he's getting a lot of opportunity in chances where he has a legitimate chance to score. Nicolaj, on the other hand, is 160th in the NHL in individual scoring chances for, and he's 252nd in individual high danger chances for per 60, right? Shooting percentages are basically about the same you got two players driving possession one guy is taking a lot of shots from very opportune places on the ice another player is doing the opposite of that i yield the floor
0: oh my goodness it's it's a pretty stark and speechless comparison that Tippett and Ealers. oh my goodness 35th to 252nd my goodness Tippett's it's what is 50% happening owned,
2: right still only half the leagues <laughs> Tippett's owned right i know he didn't have the greatest you know he's been based on the hype he was getting earlier in the year and and we were a little bit involved with that as well i mean i don't know where his expectations were but i think he just needs more ice time um if the tort man will give him that and uh nicolaj on the other hand enough said he'll never get year. it i mean that, that's <laughs> that's draft roulette up until this year that was rob thomas territory and like we said, tongue bitten on Rob Thomas, but he has been a tough hold
0: basically all the time. The big difference, as well, with the Rob Thomas, and the biggest critique was the fact that he was not shooting. Which surprisingly, this season he he is. I don't know if he's he getting five to three shots last po- night. Right? he's not getting a three point six shots per game on average or anything like crazy, but definitely he's he's at least putting the puck on net. And I was gonna say as well, while we mentioned Tippett. And obviously the the torts and the setup in Philly. Atkinson as well. My goodness, Cam. I, I think if anything, he is exactly that right winger that I guess, well we mentioned previously, Cole Caulfield, if uh if you listen to my statements on uh, the preseason topic a little too harshly and faded Cole as hard as you did, then maybe it is time to pick up another right winger back up and Man, Cam Atkinson probably is possibly available and has absolutely been lighting the lamp as a value value pick, possibly streamer based on how unowned he is.
2: There was one other guy that I that I was gonna mention on this that I I want to make sure that we cover before we move on, and that's Mason McTavish. He's 82% owned, but I think of this more as. I don't know if he necessarily has that value to a lot of fantasy managers yet. Like he's really new to being a really good fantasy player. So I think a lot of players or managers are probably looking at that as just a a stream that turned into a hold, right? Uh, A little bit of a lot of ticket. You look at his stats. It's been like leapfrog year after year after year. This year he's driving those scoring chances for per 60 top 20 in the league. He's all top He's 13th in the league in high danger scoring chances He's shooting almost three shots a game compared to what he was doing before. And his possession metrics are really strong. That's a guy where maybe you could look, the schedule's so great, you get all of his production, as we've mentioned many times before, because you're literally not going to have more than a handful of games all season where you would sit in Anaheim Duck because of the schedule. So putting all that in the blender, find a way to get Mason McTavish on your roster. It probably won't cost as much as what his value is, and that could be a really
1: solid addition for for a championship roster down the stretch. Compare this to another game, like I, I feel like this is like Timo Meyer. Like if if I personally believe that, yeah, that's six percent. That's absolutely going to go up. There's no way he will continue to do that. That's where it's like poker. I'm gonna fucking ante up. I'm gonna throw whatever I kind of need to to at that manager to get Timo from him, like to where he might just be like, all right, I, I full take him, take him. Please take him because I believe in him. I believe that's the, the winning card to have.
0: It's so difficult in, in this game of fantasy. It makes me remind, like, especially with the concept of poker too, right? Where it's not like chess. The pieces are not all on the table and the information is not necessarily going to reflect what – the odds or the percentages or anything of the rational mind sometimes. And further, it reminds me of what Maddie Kay mentioned, I think last time on the pod. The market can remain irrational for far longer than you can remain solvent. And in the fantasy case, it's what if. Mason McTavish. Timo Meyer Two Meyer. Meyer right? What if these guys <laughs> continue to outperform or continue to underperform for as long as they do? I geez, I don't know. Aside from scratch my head and say, sorry, that's that's what the stats said. And actually I'm gonna segue that in with my topic which is that now I've preached or talked multiple, multiple times about how the 20-game setup, the 20-game check-in, and basically you trade it in like each time on the quick fair. It's like, hey, we're coming close to it. Vegas has played the most games in the league so far. They also are top of the Pacific. Um, even if Vancouver wins its game in hand, Vegas will still remain so, and they're top of the West as well. But yeah, they've played 19 games. Like, guys, we... We are there. We are right on that cusp. I think even the last team to play the least amount of games is L.A., for example. They have played 16. Yeah, just looking across the... Oh, Washington. Okay, so Washington and the Rangers and the Sens. A, a straggling handful of teams have only played 15 games, but we are really rounding off to the point where the excuses and the reasoning and all those things happen but they are true for every team and every team has had that quarter of the season to play it out and this is where their chips are and this is where they stand and this is where they fall now what is worthwhile to mention now exactly as we're talking about the the market can stay irrational is Well, what if a team stays so irrational that they carry it out on a season? That's not called irrational anymore. That's just called reality. And let's face this reality right now. So a couple of teams that I'm going to pinpoint mention just as a, I guess, like reality starkers. This is no secret, right? Okay, so San Jose is the worst team in the league by far. Just... I'm sorry, I don't know what regression stats we're going to go for or pock luck or whatever we want to call it. This team is bad. They are the only team that aren't even in double digits in terms of points, right? They're the number one team in terms of goals against, number one team lowest, worst team in the league in terms of goals scored. That team should be number one on your waiver list schedule max setup, mainly because those guys are all going to have power play time still called in the league. Those guys are all going to play realistically most of the nights without the puck, meaning all those all those peripherals that involve a team not having the puck, those guys can snag. Can't block a shot unless the other team's got the puck. Can't hit a man unless the other players got the puck. Mario Ferraro, Tomas Hurdle, Both of those guys are continually being lower owned in terms of percentages as they're dropped and forgotten to be re-picked up. Don't forget them. They will assist you in the weeks where San Jose plays four games. They should always be routinely picked up and dropped, picked up and dropped, and that is exactly how you're going to run your league, winning it week to week. Similar other teams, Chicago, like no one's going to be dropping Connor Bedard reasonably I think even some managers can look depending on the league standings at like Seth Jones I know he's getting at one point he had 31 minutes of ice time like the guy is playing pretty much half the game but he's not doing pretty much anything with it you might have to diamond hands him and just hope he rides it out but that team is also a dumpster fire that also will have many power play one slots opened up now At the same time, just as I've mentioned these dumpster fires that you can target, it's also worth mentioning that you can be bag-holding just as much as you are, like, diamond-handsing. So, if you, for example, decided to go hard on the Columbus Blue Jackets, I have some harsh reminders for you. One, we touched a bit on Line A previously. But yeah, do you really want to be falling in love with a man who had a breakout rookie season seven years ago. Time flies. The fantasy season is young. Like Buff said, you got to move.
2: I'll tell you, San Jose, you make a valid point about their production, uh, or lack thereof. They kicked my Hofer stream right in the dick uh, earlier this week. Um, Now, he redeemed himself on Sunday, but that was brutal. That was the dream stream spot for a goalie, and uh, he got pulled after 21 shots, I think it was, and four goals, but uh, that's tough. The only thing with Chicago is I think there's stream opportunities there. Nobody has, has taken that opportunity to play beside Bedard and really run with it for, with any success whatsoever to this point. So I think that's going to open up opportunities for the, again, schedule dependent. If there's a week where, um, they play on three off nights or maybe they have four games in total and you can get three or, or all four of those games in. Maybe you stream Philip Kuryshev because he's playing beside Connor Bedard, right? You got a goal the other day, right? These aren't players you're going to own for probably more than a week, maybe two, If again, if it's favorable, uh, you know, going into the next week. But, you know, that, I think that's how we got to approach these teams. Again, if you're in a Bang or Cats league, you want teams that are terrible at Corsi. <laughs> you want the other team to have the puck, the shot attempts, the blocks, uh, and all, and the hits, tough to hit people when you have the puck. So um, yeah, it, it really does matter, right? So I'm in, in full agreement with that. I think you have to be very specific with the league that you're in. If you're in a points-only league uh, that really doesn't have a lot of scoring attributed to peripherals, there's really not going to be much, you know, on either of those teams. I mean, unless you're going to stream up Fabian Zetterland or, or somebody like that, uh, a Duclair, again, if, if it gets favorable. But outside of that, Uh, I think the opportunity will be a little bit few and far between.
0: And I think what needs to be mentioned loud and clear for managers sometimes too is that I think people are eager to pick up, but you need to equally be eager to drop. And what I mean by that is you can lose your league by bag holding. A lot of these players on these garbage, shitty-ass teams... They are a great stream on a great schedule and an instant drop on a bad one, but you need to be ruthless when it comes to the ads. And equally, you can't add a player without dropping a player, so you need to target the drop just as hard as the ad. And the problem with this is, you look at San Jose, there's going to be one poor manager here dreaming up the ideal scenario for Tomas Hurdle. He's 35% owned. He is rightfully 35% owned because the San Jose Sharks aren't gonna do shit on a terrible week. Tomas Soderlind is not that player. He doesn't have that cast around him. Connor Bedard is probably going to do very well. We talked about him in the preseason as that 90-point pace player. Guys, he's you know he's a rookie. Give him some time. Like he can run through cold streaks and. Chicago's going to have a two-week schedule in game. You're going to have to hold him because you can't get him back. But anybody else? Like, you have to make a tough decision. Columbus as well is filled with chalk, chalk, filled with a whole bunch of guys in that category where Boone Jenner's the highest-owned guy. He's, what, 50% owned? Boone Jenner, I would easily say, it's literally just as his ownership rates indicate a 50-50 on whether or not if you drop him, On a bad week, if he's still going to be eligible and available on the wire, the next. But some of the other players, they're held obviously based not on their existing performance, but their past managerial memories and former glories. My goodness, Johnny Goudreau? I looked at his stats just to check. He has two goals and five assists this entire season. He's played 18 games. He's been benched in third periods. He's been benched at the end of second periods. And you're, you can talk on one end about, oh yeah, he's just getting, you know, like a tough end of the stick. The past game, he logged 24 minutes of ice time. 24 minutes as a forward. Did he play D? I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, he got six and a half minutes of power play one time. He finished with... Zero goals and zero points in our Listener League. I think he finished with two points. He got two shots on goal. It's a 24-minute
2: free skate. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's it's one of those situations, and it's tough, right? Because, yes, absolutely, you can argue on the one end, hey, he's getting that deployment. He's going to do something with it eventually. What if that happens in seven games from now. Which was how long it took for him to have a goal goalless streak broken. What if it takes that long? Do you have two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, eight weeks on your fantasy schedule for a left winger to do jackly-hiddly shit?
1: Hey man, sometimes you can hold and hope that you put enough pressure, it turns into a diamond. But sometimes you just gotta look and realize you're holding cold. Yeah.
0: There is any player In your league, rolling around with two goals and five assists in 18 games, getting two shots on goal in 24 minutes of ice time, there's no possible way any guy on the wire would be with two goals and five assists, be rolling around going, hey, yeah, we got to pick this guy up off the wire right now. And yet, if you were to drop this exact same player, many, many more managers would hesitate, but they needn't be, and they shouldn't be, and they should, at this point, consider being just as ruthless with Johnny Gaudreau. I, I rest my case at this point. <laughs> oh.
2: Are you
1: expecting one of us to come to Johnny Gaudreau's defense in this <laughs> scenario? <laughs> I mean, he wanted to disappear not playing a big market, so he's done exactly that. <laughs> the disappearing part, for sure. Yeah, he's, he's giving Houdini a run for his money, for sure. That kind of ties into my ombro much a little bit, you talking about the 20-game the check-in point. Like, I I forget where I heard it, but I've always kind of kept it, like, in mind. It's about the 15-20 game mark where if you have, like, a new player on a new team or even a team with a new coach, like... This is about the time where we see who is what. And interestingly enough, I think that's varied results across the league. I mean, Duchesne in Dallas. I mean, I don't know if he continues on the pace he's on. I think it was like a 77-point pace where he's at right now. I mean, and maybe dis- with disparate results on the same team uh, in the Rangers. Panarin's tearing it up, and Zabanjad is just a giant question mark. Like, why? where is he? And now we're starting to see things kind of get shaken up in Columbus and Calgary. Can you imagine
2: being
1: 9-0-1 in your last 10 and Zabanajad is on a milk carton? And I mean, I wonder if it's like uh, Kuznetsov kind of said, take it, you know, what kind of credible source he might be. Like, uh, it sounds like Laviolette wants his guys to play a certain way. And maybe that works extremely well for Panarin, but not so much for Mika, who might have to retool his game completely.
0: And I think one concerning part on a fantasy manager end, and I think concerningly as well with how well the Rangers are doing, is that what if the Rangers are, again, 9-0-1, doing so well in this current setup, what coach is going to roll around? (laughs) Is Laviolette going to roll into the dressing room tomorrow and be like, hey guys, uh, we may be playing, you know, like we're winning 90% of our games so far, but... I know that Jay's got Zabanajad on his fantasy team, and we got to completely revamp our lineup so that Zib's got to get some goals. Has to be. <laughs> so there's, there's a serious concern at some point for managers, which is it really is honestly up to Zabanajad himself to retool and revamp and realign himself within the system to succeed because, heck... There is no coach in the league that's gonna re-fix a 90% win streak set up just for one superstar to even perform out of funk. Like they don't need him to do so. If it's proven that they can win 90% of their games and succeed without him, without him doing right. If anything, you're arguing for the positive regression for him to slam back up and. I don't know. Win a hundred percent? That that's a really weird, really weird metric to argue for.
2: Well, I know we didn't plan on ending off on uh, the 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 Rangers specifically, and and a couple of players that are on opposite ends of the production spectrum. But if you guys don't have anything else on that, why don't we slide into a few hot guy check-ins here? Because I'm going to stay right in New York because my hot guy check-in.
0: Hot guy check-in. Let's do it.
2: Is Alex Lafreniere. Right, And if you've been listening to podcasts, a number on our own uh, show here as well as uh, anything else in the pod universe, it's no secret that he's been really steamed up over the past week or week and a half. He's still only 39% owned. The big piece here, though, he's line two, playing with Vincent Trocek and the bread man, Artemi Panarin. He has lost the hair, and he has gained a hell of a lot more game. He had a hell of a lot before. But he is on fire to start the year. Now, Lafreniere still PP2 with the B squad. You can go look up who he's playing with, um, but you probably won't know a number of their names. (laughs) <laughs> uh, because New York really loads up that top PP. But uh, Alex has seven uh, points in his last five games. He's still not periphering at all. He's got five hits and two blocks on the entire year. What you are buying exclusively here is proximity to Panarin and to a lesser extent Trocheck, on top of a great four game schedule this week. He's a 17 minute time on ice guy. He only plays a quarter of the power play. Ride the hot streak in point leagues this week. He's not really going to give you a lot of coverage in cat leagues, but in a point league, I would say ride that. He's 143rd in individual course 4 per 60, 80th in scoring chances 4 per 60, 92nd in high danger chances 4 per 60. He's shooting 23%. All that to me screams a little bit of a short leash here, but four games, great line mates. Things can stay irrational longer than we predict them to. So stay in the flames, if you wish, with Alexi Lafreniere. Just understand how close you are to being burned. My second Hawkeye check-in is the combo, actually. The Dallas aging stars, Tyler Sagan and uh, Matt Shane. Both guys are line three, PP2. Uh, they are producing and they are crushing at 5v5. They're shooting like 16, 17% uh, as a line 5v5, which is incredible. Uh, Sagan's got eight points over his last five. Duchesne's got points in 10 of his last 11. So, consistency through the roof there. They're both only getting about a third of the power play time. Duchesne's certainly shooting more than Sagan is. Um, neither of them are really, you know, volume shooters. But driving performance at 5v5, they're both shooting 16%. It's not exactly through the roof. On uh, very sustainable, 77 point pace on Duchesne and a quiet 62 point pace on Tyler Sagan. So, again, where the schedule permits, four game weeks, heavy off night weeks, you got some pretty deep production there, not just obviously the top guys there, but you know, even getting past the Wyatt Johnsons, etc. you We've got some options here.
0: I still think the Dallas aging stars was an incredible statement. My goodness. I'm older so than both of true. these guys, so it's okay. So I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's incredible, too, that Dallas seems, I guess, to be band-aided on both ends, right? Like there's j Rowe and there's Rupe Heinz And then the other end, there's Duchesne and Sagan. And, geez, I mean, nobody even mentioned Pavelski. But absolutely true, right? These guys, These guys weren't scoring. Right, like I don't know how they were winning games. Like was every game two one three two? The Otter like pulling thirty five saves a night. Like I don't know how they were, but they're they're right at the top of the standings. And now,
1: my goodness. Yeah, they're beating up the Rangers tonight. Like
0: yeah, I don't I don't know if we call them awoken fully either. Right, like fifty five goals for, but they're definitely top of the league. And you know, like JRO, JRO still hasn't like crept up yet. Right, so these guys yeah, their carrying power the load. Play's been... Dog shit so far this year.
2: So I think if they come up in any meaningful way with the talent they have on there, alongside the 5v5 performance, they're a
0: wagon. But yeah, that is, is Dallas the Western Conference's Florida Panthers? What? Or... <laughs> I, I meant more so I guess like if if they they awoke if anything Alan I guess that's what I was referring to but oh yeah. okay okay the everything everything's coming everything together comes together like, yeah, yeah yeah because Florida's New right group, now yeah. what they've two ga- eight two and oh in their last ten games seconds in the Atlantic I mean obviously Boston is just yeah exactly a wagon rolling through but yeah like what if everything for the Dallas aging stars is you know not not picture perfect right now but my goodness like geez if they can pull and string along a couple more you know forward i guess ticky tacky one two tick tac goals or whatever on the power play then maybe this is a this is a team to slag through alan what was your uh what was your hot guy in?
1: yeah hot guy i'm checking out ross colton of the colorado avalanche i know that Nate over in Apple Genos is always big on this guy and watching him play in Tampa like the whole time, I just scratch my head like whenever he acts like he is just something latent there. I don't know, in, in Tampa, like he could just couldn't get it all together to break into the top six. Could score those clutch goals, I think. So either like an Eastern, co- like a conference final clincher or the cup clincher when you're, was him um he's capable of like those those clutch goals but he's not some he's not really someone you can rely on but i mean i see him last couple days like top of the the ads in yahoo um but i mean i get it four points in his last three games but i mean immediately under the hood line three power play two his teammates are miles wood and i think it's logan o'connor master of short-handed points. But he's, he's not cracking the top six. Like, they're playing Jonathan Druin on the second line with Raijo instead of Ross Colton. And his time on ice is so far 13.09. Like, he that's significantly below the 15-minute mark, which has always been, like, the rule in my head of, like, can someone sustain the production? And he's getting, uh, of the power play, 23.8%, which is not to- absolutely not top unit time. His shooting percentage right now is 14.6, which is higher than his career 13.3. But even in that average, he has the 2021 outlier of 19.6, uh, which brings that average up. His IPP and is 80%, and his power play IPP is 100%, which are absolutely far and above unsustainable. I just I don't believe in him long term. But I mean, if everyone wants to pick him up and feel good when Colorado has that good schedule go for it uh absolutely the idea of a stream
0: yeah my goodness uh i don't know if i would say i believe in ross colton the same way i'm quite on Allen's tail as well where i don't know if i'm gonna believe in him quite that way but geez like if he's performing for now streaming yeah like good schedule i'm I'm sure sample size right something to jump onto in
2: in colorado where the scoring is Quite honestly, very concentrated and very out of reach if you don't have those guys already. So, yeah, for somebody to just, I mean, throw it at the wall and see what sticks, right? I mean, if you get a couple of points during the week and
1: some perifs that go with it. There you go. That's all if you could you hope You got a for. diamond. You didn't have coal.
0: You got to win each week to get to the final prize. And sometimes, you know, it, they don't need to be held forever. They just need to help you get there along the way. My guy for the hot guy check-in. I guess there were two, and one one was uh I guess not one. Both are heavily tied to the idea very much that they're probably already owned, but just a worthwhile mention anyway. Evander Kane started off really cold to start the season, as did as did all his teammates. But yeah, four goals last three games played. 100%. This guy is clicking around and worth to mention whether or not there was a. I guess uh, i don't know like is is maybe mcdavid skating off a bit of that uh injury bug i i don't know like i still don't see mcdavid as 100 percent but again i think alan mentioned it before mcdavid at like 80 percent is probably like miles off better than the vast majority of nhl players at 100 percent anyway and if vander king gets access to that i guess maybe i'll roll over into my confessional as well which is almost like a hot guy checking conventional setup which is Colorado is a team that probably the only team, right, that has three players drafted reasonably within within rounds one and two. You got some serious talent on that roster. They are the what the 2021 champs. But seriously, like you list out their top three guys, right? There's McKinnon, uh, Rantanen, Macar. And it's always kind of been after that, like, a, a somewhat of a rotating cast. But now it definitely feels that um, if you, and I don't know if we hammered it home just as heavily on our preseason setups, but Valerie Nishushkin, right? Like, Lekkonen was definitely getting time, splitting time. Nishushkin was definitely getting time, splitting time. Nishushkin had that whole shebang with the hotel lady, Um, last at the end of last season and yeah like all these question marks roll through but it definitely seems like valerie's put all of these things in the dustbin behind him he's looked up realized that he's got a serious shot in avenue at you know ironing out and holding down this pp1 spot and slot and my goodness he went from I believe it was 27% owned to 70% owned in the space of like one to two weeks. And here it is. If we ever had doubts about who it would be, Valerie Nishushkin, four goals, one assist in the last three games played. He is secure on that spot. Lekinin obviously being injured with a very serious injury. He's on IR for the next foreseeable at least four to six weeks, and I think it's four to six weeks and they'll check up on him again, not even that he's going to be out on the ice immediately. Who is going to compete with Nishushkin to snag that PP1? I'm sorry we didn't mention it to you before, but yeah, like kudos and props to whomever. Whichever manager decided, I'm going to iron out and choose over I,
2: I was actually one of those managers. I mean, it wasn't anything specific that, that I looked at, but I will say when he was slotted in early uh, in the, uh, I would say late in the draft season and just before we kind of went live into the regular season, he was line two and he wasn't on PP1. And so it kind of depressed his draft value a bit. And I always looked at him as next man up. And also he's performed in Colorado for stretches, especially in the playoffs. He was a beast when they went to the um, uh, deep the last time he was playing. Cool. So I look at that and just think there's massive opportunity there. You don't want to necessarily have to pay third or fourth round Draft capital for it. Thankfully he fell a lot lower than that to where it made sense to uh to pick him up because you just knew it was a matter of time before he gets that opportunity. And I mean he was the number one player in fantasy last year for what, a week and a half or something, and then he was out. Again, owned him. Then I didn't own him because he was out. <laughs> but uh yeah, he just he's one of those guys. He gets opportunity and he kinda seizes it.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Alan, did we want to roll around to your confessional?
1: Yeah. Um. So I know in the preseason, I I was saying like cover over that pick ad button for Joel Hoffer, but I I feel like Jordan Biddington's collapse isn't happening nearly as quickly as I thought. If if it happens at all this season, he's actually pretty good right now. Um. The context here is goalies with at least six games played. Uh, he's currently ninth in save percentage and thirteenth uh, in goals against. Uh. He's got a five five two record which is it's under five zero, um but he's got a shutout in there a lot of his stats like goals saved above average um quality start like he's a lot of his stats have not been this high since the 18-19 season do i think we're seeing that jordan biddington again heck no but uh, i think his his eminent collapse isn't isn't coming as quickly as i uh well, we saw some of that Biddington a little bit
2: last year. For him, it's just he flashed it, and then it was in between much longer periods of terrible goaltending. So what we're seeing here is just, I wonder, how long does this stretch run for him?
1: Um Hofer be- played well the Because the night? team in front of him is not as no. good as that. I would say not no, as good as that, that cup-winning team.
0: Alan, all I heard was a 2018, 2019. Are we saying a uh, 2024 <laughs> <laughs> St. Louis Blues champs or <laughs> no. no? I'm still sporting oh, from the San Jose Hofer Dick. No matter
1: how much they blast Gloria, no, <laughs>
0: no. Oh man, but yeah, he's he's probably one of the least likable goaltenders. But my goodness, I'm wondering too, right? Like the Blues, like. Again, I think I said it before. They're they're a mid, they're a middling team that is just carried by hot goaltending, right? Like they're not scoring a ton, they're not letting in a ton either.
1: Yeah, it was like they blew out Colorado the one time, but yeah, no, they're not completely smoking everyone. Matty K, what's uh, what's your confessional? Well,
2: we're gonna talk about a player that continues to break out uh, at an extremely unsustainable pace, and yet. I don't know who's getting off this rocket ship, but anybody who owns or drafted Jesper Bratt, uh, congratulations. He had, uh, you know, 2021 was really a, a come out breakout year for him um, at 73 points and backed it up again last year with another 73 point campaign. This year he's exploded out to 23 points in 16 games which puts him on, by my math, 118-point pace at this point in the season. The Devils aren't exactly lighting the world on fire either. They're T5 in the Metro. You know, Jack has just come back. Nico's still out. Brat hasn't really slowed down at all. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say he's driving a lot. So you'd think a player that's got 23 points in 16 games, light the world on fire. Here's a few metrics. To put a little context behind it, he is 211th in individual Corsi 4 per 60 at 5v5. He's 100th in individual scoring chances 4 per 60, 5v5, and 123rd in individual high danger scoring chances per 60, and they're shooting 6% at 5v5. So, to know where all of his production is coming from is very simple. He's got unreal power play production. He's got 23 points and 16 of them are in the power play. He had 22 points on the power play all last year. Yeah. Think
0: about that. Can you say that again?
2: Yeah. He's got 16 power play points out of 23 total points. Oh, my God. Oh my it's goodness. unbelievable. Right? So <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. 22 and 20, like last year. He had 18 in the year before that. So, I guess... I don't know if the comparison is... Entirely accurate, but is this guy this year's r h Like, are we going to see some insane 113-point season that either never gets replicated again by this player? I mean, he's shooting 22% right now. Last year, he got 73 points, 30 goals, and he shot, uh, I believe, 15%. That is a stomachable shooting percentage, for, especially for, for somebody that uh, is an elite shooter. But again, as we talked about, there's players that shoot that for an entire season and we just scratch our heads and go, how could he have done it? And he did it. So, you know, with with Brat, it's, you know, the the pace is unreal. He's, you know, top in the league in scoring or or right up there. So the question is, with Jesper Brat, do we stay in the flames with that? How did we miss this meteoric rise on the power play for him? And what do you do with this player and their value right now, other
1: than just hold on for dear life and hope it keeps going? I was going to say you strap in your rocket chair (laughs) and wait for liftoff. Yeah, like it's It's just unbelievable.
0: I'm just imagining if he finishes a point per game player with 60 points on the power play. Oh, man, that's has that ever happened? I mean, I'm talking in a league with 215 points with Gretzky, so maybe, definitely, but my goodness, like if there's a team to do it, it's got to be the Devils, right? Like this year with Shooting Jackie less, Hughes. Shooting less,
2: converting more, all on the power play. It's insane. None of it should work. If you threw all that in the blender and said, this is what this player is going to do, you're gonna be like, nope, that's not going to work. Maybe a few games, right? And then the, you're just going to go screaming into the side of a mountain. And instead... Here he is. 120 he is. points. Pace. Oh, man.
0: Definitely a good question at the end of it. And I think the question, too, is at least for the foreseeable setup with Jack Hughes back, you you want to ride it out for the next little while, right? To see how hot these flames can remain. At least that's how I'd imagine it.
1: Yeah. No, I uh, all I got to say is I'm glad I traded for him in uh, my keeper league when I did. Yeah, I just I, I think and as we saw, we were all hyped about the Devils uh being one of those high scoring wheel snipe selly teams. I think what, Craig's prediction was like four guys with forty goals <laughs> his hot take. Um, no, wasn't it?
0: And I five? mean five
1: Brad was absolutely one of them. Think was, I think it was four.
0: It was four. It was, it was four. four. It, was, it, it was it was something still where wild.
2: where I think three had like barely ever been done. And he's like, No, let's make it four.
0: I think three was like, even with last year's season being so crazy, it was like the Oilers still only had two guys. And yeah, I, I don't know. I guess Nugent Hopkins or Hyman just couldn't get the job
1: done last season. Which is crazy because Nugent had what, it was like a hundred something points, but I guess 80 something of those were assists.
0: I suppose so. I suppose so.
1: We're going to go ahead and wrap it for tonight. We'll go ahead and park the van cab. As always, we ask you, USDA Prime listeners, to like, subscribe, and leave us a review on your platform of choice. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter and YouTube. All that info is in the show notes. And if you haven't already, please come join us in the 5 Hole Discord. Over 2,500 people talking about real hockey, fantasy hockey, food, books. There's a book channel, even. (laughs) I've heard there's a book channel yes one person's heard of it but yeah good luck and good hockey this week everyone and we'll uh, we'll catch you next time
0: yeah absolutely we'll uh pick you up later
1: great talk at hockey fellas let's do it again